You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. This month we are praying and we're fasting. And one of the things we're fasting for is that this year, as individuals, we would discover more of God in our life. The Bible says that we can go from glory to glory, that we can experience more of God's glory, discover more of it. So we're praying for that. We pray that our vision that we have for this year would just be exploding. One is to mobilize our church, whether it be through a missions trip, whether it be through the arts or different ways that we'd mobilize it. And we're believing for that. We're also praying that we would be able to engage our city through different things, one of them being the Olympics, like we talked about, showcasing different things. We're going to be engaging, equipping is another one makes the acronym of the word meet, mobilize, engage, equip, and then do things together. Together here as a church, having joint uh, congregation services, all the f- services coming together, then also having a service where churches downtown would all meet together. We're working on that, so pray with us. And then I know you've got personal things you're praying through and wanting a breakthrough on. And fasting is such a great part of that. So I hope you're enjoying your fast for as much as you can enjoy your fast. I know your flesh hates it, but your spirit enjoys it, so I hope it's been good for you. Growing up on the farm, my dad encouraged us to, to go exploring, to have an adventure. We didn't have uh, Xbox, we didn't have uh, any of those things, so it was get out there and explore. And for the most part, we didn't have a television until I was older, so a lot of our life was lived outdoors exploring. And uh, I remember him telling us about a cave that was down by the river. And to get to the cave, it was you could only access it at wintertime, because in, in the summer, the, the water went right up to the cave. It was very deep. The water had back currents in that part of the river. And so he said, you've got to make sure you go down there at wintertime, boys. And the cliff is kind of steep to get down there, so be careful. And sometimes there's bobcats hiding in those caves. So be careful when you go there. And so we were up for that, man. It's like, it was so exciting. So when winter came and it froze over, my brother and I, we, we went down the side of this uh, embankment and we, we come around the corner and it was frozen. And we're like, oh man, I wonder if there's a, wonder if there's a bobcat. And there were bobcat tracks. We go, oh, I wonder if there's a cat in there. And there wasn't any cat. And the cave looked really big to us, but probably wasn't very big. But as boys, it was big. And we went on this adventure exploring, discovering. And my dad also told us, he said, you know, in, that, in the forested area down by the river, we live very close to the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, and the Waterton River ran through our land. And so he said, in the forest there, there's a, a tree, and it's a hollowed-out tree. Go check it out. Get inside that tree. You've got you to gotta go look inside that tree. So we went looking for that tree. We found the tree, the hollow tree. We went inside. We were so excited to get in there. It was filled with ants and bugs. We came out just full of bugs. It was like, oh, why did dad send us in there? It was fun though. We were discovering. It was an adventure. Uh, my dad was the one who encouraged us to pop a wheelie on our motorbikes. We've got motorbikes as soon as we could. And dad say, pop a wheelie. Mom said, oh no, what are they doing? Because moms are more security minded. Fathers are more future minded. And, uh, and that's the way it was. Dad will say, steal second base, steal second base. And mom's like, oh, don't skin your knee. Don't skin your knee. That's the way, that's the way dads are. And that's God the Father. God the Father, I think, wants us to be adventuresome in our faith. And today we're going to talk about Peter. Peter was adventuresome. And this year I pray that your walk with God would be an adventure. Our walk with God is not supposed to be boring. If it's boring, something's wrong. I think we need to explore the greatness of our God. 
Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, when I get to heaven, I want to explore all the universe and I want to see all that God's done. And I'm saying, why wait to get to heaven? Let's explore the depths of God now. Let's discover his greatness while we're here. Because there's so many things that we can learn and discover about God. Nobody's arrived. doesn't matter if you know all the Bible by memory and if you're a great theologian. It doesn't matter who you are. You just got the tip of the iceberg in discovering the greatness of God. So this year, our whole theme is to discover the glory. Glory is his manifested presence, the greatness of our God. Let's go on a journey to discover it. Well, Peter discovers it in Luke chapter 5. He's pretty young in his relationship with Jesus. He's met him once before at the baptism at Jordan. And Peter's going to meet up with Jesus again. Now, you have to understand Peter, okay? I think most guys would like Peter. I can't wait to meet him when I get to heaven. Of course, his name originally was Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter or Petra, which meant rock. Originally, his name was Simon, like a reed, but it got changed to Peter. You know, Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. He called Peter a rock long before he was a rock. He said, this is what you're going to be. You're going to be a rock. And he, he thinks about your future, and he calls you great before you're great. This is our God. This is why he thinks about Peter. Well, Peter, he's about 20 years old. At this point, he's got his own boat, or at least it's his dad's boat, and he's running his own fishing crew. And if you're 20 years old and you're managing, let's say, a construction crew or you're managing a restaurant, I mean, know oh, you've got something on the ball as a 20-year-old. So he's got something on the ball as a 20-year-old. Peter is also known to be a little bit impetuous. We know that he's the guy who, who pulled out his sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest security guard in the garden. Just the fact that he carried a sword will tell you something about Peter, all right? And the guy came in, they're going to arrest Jesus, and Peter says, not on my watch, you're not going to, sucker. And he pulls out this sword, and he cuts off his ear. Now, you have to understand, he didn't go like this to cut off his ear. He was swinging for the neck, and he cut off his right ear. Now, some people tell us that's how you know he might have been left-handed because he ducked and the right ear went off, meaning the left hand had to be swinging, but you can figure that out on your own. I'm just telling you, this was Peter. He's, he's, he's a get-her-done kind of guy. Let's, let's do something. This is our adventuresome Peter. Peter is the same guy who would say to Jesus, you know what, if everybody else denies you, I will not deny you. I'll be faithful to you. And yet, he's the one who denied him, and the rooster crowed three times, and he had denied our Lord. He's the one, at the Lord's Supper, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, he came up to Peter, and Peter says, hey, you're the teacher, I'm the student, you shouldn't be washing my feet, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, if I can't serve you, then you'll have no part of me. And then Peter said, well, let's wash everything then, Lord, let's, let's wash it all. This is, this is our Peter, he's, this is the way of him. After the resurrection... The disciples went out fishing. Jesus shows up on the shore, and they recognize it's Jesus. Everybody else is going to row the boat back in full of fish. Not Peter. Peter's in his underwear fishing. He puts on his clothes. He jumps into the water. He's so excited to see Jesus. And he swims 300 feet. That's two lengths of an Olympic-sized swimming pool, swimming in your clothes. Peter swims back to shore. Now, that would take the wind out of me. They get back with the boat. It's got a, a load full of fish. The Bible tells you ex the exact number, 153 fish in the net. And it says they're large fish. 
I said, well, what's a large fish in the Sea of Galilee? So I Googled it, and uh, I found out it could weigh at least 10 pounds. So you do the math. It could be up to 2,000 pounds, 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of fish. He just swam two Olympic lengths in clothes, like an Olympic swimming pool, and now he's bringing onto shore, single-handedly, dragging a net with up to a ton of fish. He drags it onto the shore. So you get the picture. This guy is no pushover. He's a pretty buff guy, blue-collar, hard-working, entrepreneur, and he meets Jesus. So I, I think Peter's a pretty cool guy. I think he would have been a great guy to hang around. He had companions. He was in partnership already. So Peter had some stuff going for his life. And he meets Jesus. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 5. Jesus has been speaking to the crowd. They're by the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd is beginning to press in on Jesus. He's beginning to have to back up, and the crowd is all around him. Peter and his guys are washing nets over on the side. So Jesus says over to Peter, Peter, do you mind if I bore your boat? And Peter says, no, help yourself. So they get into the boat, him and Peter. And now he finishes speaking from the boat. The words bounce off the water, up onto the shore. It's a natural amphitheater. Everybody's hearing Jesus speak. And they have this amazing teacher teaching them. Afterwards, Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, let's go fishing. So let's go to your, your notes. And let's go to Luke chapter 5. And I want to read the first few verses out of Luke chapter 5. Now it was as a multitude pressed about him, verse 1, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, also called the lake of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. That's a lot of fish, folks. Two boats sinking full of fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, his name is also Peter, Don't be afraid, from now on you'll catch men. So when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all, and they began to follow him. Peter discovers the glory, he discovers the presence, he discovers something about Jesus in this adventure. Let's go through a few things that Peter did. One, Peter was hanging out with Jesus. If you want to discover a greater dimension of God, here's a clue. Hang out with Jesus. Get close to him. Be where he is. Now, guess what? You're doing it already this morning. Just by being here, you're hanging out with Jesus because this is his church, his house, and so he's here. So you're hanging out with Jesus this morning. And just look over your neighbor and say, way to go. You're hanging out with Jesus today. Give Give him some encouragement. Because there he was, he was on the beach, Jesus was there, he was speaking. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, actually all of Corinthians 3, and then going into chapter 4, 
talks about the glory of God. If you just take that word glory, it shows up a lot in Scripture. We should understand it. And in this chapter, it talks about how the glory of God is veiled from people. They don't see it. They don't see Jesus for who he is. But this verse tells us, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So when you get close to Jesus, when you turn towards him, when you open up your heart towards him, the veil is lifted and you'll begin to see who he is. I really believe that everybody who really sees Jesus for who he is will want him. There's a lot of misinformation about Jesus. There's a lot of misconceptions about Jesus. And even in times of tragedy, people say, well, if God's so good, why did that earthquake happen in Haiti? And it, and it actually lowers the veil in their life. But if you see God for who he is, that God's the author of good and not evil, you'll realize, oh, I, I want to know God. The veil is lifted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul goes on to say that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of people lest they see the glorious image of Christ and believe. The word light there is the same word that we get photographed from. It's photoismus in the Greek. And when you take a photograph, especially with the old cameras, do you remember you had to press the button, the shutter opened, and then the light formed an image on the film? Today, if you have an SLR camera, it's the same thing. You, you take a picture, the shutter opens, and you can change the adjustments on the shutter. And then that image is imprinted. Now, you can have the most beautiful picture, beautiful scenery, everything set up right. But if the shutter doesn't open, there's no image. But if the shutter opens, you have an image. You can preach the most beautiful message, whether it be from Billy Graham or whether last week we had a, a testimony from Paul Henderson or Bob Davison or some other speaker. It could be the best message, but if the shutter doesn't open, there's no image that comes of the glory of Christ. Paul, when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he says, I pray that the, your understanding would be enlightened. Really, he's saying, I am praying that the shutter is opened, that you have a greater revelation of the glory of God. Folks, we haven't arrived. There's so much more to discover in God. And for some of us, we have yet to discover that Jesus is the Son of God. And when that happens, we go, ah, now I get it. Now I see it. I was running from Jesus. I didn't realize that he was pursuing me as my Savior. There's this lady, and she was driving down the road. And as she's going along, she sees this truck beside her. And then the truck begins to tailgate her. She speeds up. Truck speeds up. She goes through a red light. Truck goes through a red light. She says, this is crazy. I'm being tailgated by a crazy man in a truck. So she, she, keeps, she speeds up, gets on her freeway. The truck is right behind her the whole time. She says, this is nuts. I've got to lose this guy. So she gets off the freeway, goes through different side streets. Truck is risking his life to drive her to, to keep up with her. Finally, she pulls into a gas station, and she jumps out of the car, and she runs into the gas station, and she looks back to see what this pursuer is going to do. He jumps out of the truck. He runs to her car. He opens up the back door, reaches in, this big truck driver, and hauls this guy out by the neck, who would be the would-be rapist. And he confronts this guy. And she goes, oh, that's my savior. That guy's saving me. He wasn't after me. 
he had seen the rapist from his vantage point in the truck. And so he followed her. But at that moment, the veil was lifted. At that moment, the shutter was open and she had a different image of that truck driver. And some of us need a new image of who Jesus is. And Paul was praying that the veil would be opened, that it would be lifted and we'd see who Jesus is. And what causes that veil to be opened is when we see how good God is. Peter here, in this situation, on the water, he sees the goodness of God. Romans, the book of Romans says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to change. It leads us to repent. It leads us to see the goodness of our God. So, Peter, first of all, was hanging out with Jesus. If you want to discover the glory of God, you've got to hang out with Jesus. Hang out with him. Hang out with his people. It's a good place to be. Secondly, Peter accepted the obedience challenge. If we want to discover God's glory, we're going to have to take an obedience challenge. I don't know what it would be for you this year, but I can promise you this. God will want to get you out of your comfort zone. We like to live in our comfort zone. God likes to stretch us. He likes to take us to a place where you go, God, this is too big for me. God's saying, then I got you just where I want you because now you're going to have to rely on me. It didn't make sense to Peter. Peter had been fishing all night, fishing a long time, and Jesus is asking him to come and to... Uh, go out and cast his net into the deep. It was obedience. He said, Lord, you're real. He could have said this, Lord, you know what? You're, you're a very good speaker. You spoke so well there on the Sea of Galilee. You had everybody's attention. Or he could have said, Lord, you're, you're an amazing carpenter, but you don't know much about fishing. You don't fish in the deep. You fish in the shallows and it's daytime. And he could have made all those reasons. But he said, you know what? At your word, I'm going to go do it. If you want to have the adventuresome life as a believer, Now listen very closely. You have to obey Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It doesn't make sense. But you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to launch out into the deep. That's where we discover his glory. Now, we also learn in this story that when taking the challenge, Peter finds some things out. Let me review just a few points. One, Jesus is not only interested in the crowds, he's also very interested in you individually. There's, some, there's a picture here we've got to get. Jesus is speaking to all the crowd, big crowd, speaking to all of them, everybody listening. But then he takes Peter and he tutors Peter. He mentors Peter. He says, well, he would do it for Peter, but he wouldn't do it for me. No, no, that's where you're wrong. Jesus tutors every one of us. He calls you friend. He calls me friend. He wants to send his Holy Spirit to guide you, to comfort you. By his Spirit, Jesus will mentor us, will tutor us, he'll guide us. He's interested in you individually. The Bible says he knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows how many, right down to how many hair are on your head and how many hair you used to have on your head. He knows all that kind of stuff. He's, he's interested in you individually. Amen. I used to be able to do this. You know, that was a lot of fun. You could throw your hair back. I get to heaven, I'm going to have a redeemed body. Hallelujah. Just, just check it out. When I get to heaven, just check it out, man. I'm gonna... I might do like Mike. You know, I might put it all up in a spike here or something. You know, Have fun with it. But as for now, and everything, give thanks. <laughs> Amen. Jesus intentionally takes us into the deep water, and he does it so that we can discover a deeper awareness of him. Peter really discovers the glory of God when he follows in obedience. Sometimes God gently pushes us 
out of our comfort zone. If we say, I don't want to go, he, he respects that. But there's this gentle push. Even on your personality, he'll push. A number of years ago, I was in Hong Kong, 1993, first missions trip. I went to India, then came back to Hong Kong. A friend of mine said, go see Dennis Balcom. He's got a great church in Hong Kong. So I went and saw Dennis Balcom, and they were very kind. They said, why don't you sit up on the front? And there was a speaker speaking that day from Taiwan, Timothy Chen. And as he was speaking, he looked at me and he pointed at me in the service. He says, I need to talk to you after the service. I mean, I mean, it was a lot of people, more than here this morning. And he is saying, I need to talk to you after the service. And you, you just say, okay, what are you going to say, no? So I said, okay. So after the service, have you ever been in one of those church services where you just know something's going to happen? You go, oh, oh, God, you got my number today. What are you going to do? You just, it's really kind of churning on the inside. And I knew he had something for me. So after the service, he pulled me aside and he, and he prayed for me. It was so powerful. I'm preaching out of an old Bible this morning because it's the Bible that I had there. And I went and sat in the park afterwards, and I, I wrote this in my Bible. May 16th, 1993, 2.30 p.m., Hong Kong. Went to Revival Christian Church, Dennis Balcom pastor. During the service, a new God would speak to me. feel like there's something big inside of me, but need to be strong to do it. The Holy Ghost is pushing on my personality. Timothy Chen from Taiwan, elder of many churches, prayed for me. I fought going up, but the Lord gave me no choice. Same scripture used in the call that I've been studying, 2 Timothy 1.6. After service, he took me aside and said that when he prayed, he saw a great light coming from me to help many leaders to proclaim. I, at this time, still don't know where. And it was such a time where God was stretching me and calling me and saying, I want you to come and cast your net in the deep. It's been an adventure. And I'm looking forward to the adventure ahead of us as we follow God. Now, the other thing we learned from Peter is this, very simple, that if you let God use your boat, he'll fill it. This is a great principle. I don't know what you've got. Peter had a boat. I don't know what you've got. Jesus said, Peter, can I use your boat? Peter could have said, um, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I like your teaching and all, and thanks for healing my mother-in-law. But uh, you know what? Um, can we do a rain check on that? I've been out fishing all night. I am, and by the way, your talk was good, but I'm tired. And uh, my wife's got supper cooking at home, and uh, I'm hungry, and I would really like to go home. I fished all night. I didn't catch anything. I dragged those nets out of the boat, put them back in, out and in, and it was really disappointing. I didn't catch anything. So I'm a little bit exhausted emotionally. I'm very exhausted physically. I've just washed all my nets. Everything's cleaned up. And we're ready to go tonight. And I really don't feel like getting in a boat, throwing them out again, and getting dirty again. I'm hungry. And quite frankly, no, I don't want to go fishing. Right? Peter could have done that. And who would have blamed him? So Jesus today says, uh, we have life groups. Could I use your home? Um, now, you know what? Wednesday night I have bingo and, uh, Tuesday night I go shopping and Thursday night is my night to do my nails or it's my night to watch a hockey game. And then Friday night is date night. And you know what? No, I, I just don't think it's going to work for us to use our home. Uh, well, could we use your boardroom in your office, sir? Ma'am. Um... You know what? We have 
some people in our office that aren't Christians. I don't think the optics would be very good on that. And uh, I'm not sure how that would look. And by the way, you know, we have different meetings. We'd have to schedule it. It would be very complicated. And right now, I just don't think I'd, I'd want to have my boardroom used for that kind of function. And so I just think I'd rather not do that. You know what? Let me give you a suggestion. Let God use your boardroom. Let me give you a suggestion. Let God use your home. Let him use your car. You know why? Because it's his anyhow. He gave it to you. Every good gift comes down from the Father above. And if you let him use it, here's the deal. Here's the example. Peter lets him use his boat. Two boatloads full of fish. Hello, what does he do? Sell them. It was the biggest day they've had in a long time, and they prospered financially. You know, the, one of the best ways to prosper financially, prosper in your life, prosper in your home, let God use it. Because he will. I promise you, he will knock on your door. Whatever you've got, he'll say, can I use it? Can I use your car? So how would he ask that? He may just say, you may hear somebody needs a ride to church on a Sunday. Could you pick them up? A single mom. Could you pick them up and bring it? Well, that's not really on our route, Pastor. We'd have to go quite a bit out of our way. I'd get my coffee at that Starbucks. I'd miss my Starbucks coffee if I went that route. I don't know about that. And, and after all, I'd have to go buy a, a car seat for that child because I don't have a car seat. But what happened if you would buy a car seat, take a different route, pick up the child, take the mom to church? What, what do you think God would do? I'll tell you what he'd do. He'd do the same thing he did for Peter. See, he doesn't use anything, even though he's given to us, that he doesn't bless it and add to it. What do you got? What could you give? What could you do with it today? Now, let me throw this out while I'm on this topic. Well, Toto is going to be with us next Sunday. And we still need some homes to host with Toto children. So if you'd like to get in the same place where Peter was, you could sign up at guest services and say, hey, God, you could use my home. We've got some extra beds. Some Mototo kids could stay with us. So there you go. You have an opportunity to be a hearer and a doer, other word, this morning. Ah, Mr. and Mrs. Amen have left. But anyhow, <laughs> we will continue on. Uh, it was Peter who discovered the glory of God when he surrendered his life to follow Jesus. See, what happens is he realizes the goodness of God. His boat is filled with fish. A second boat is filled with fish. The boats are sinking. They're so full. At that point, he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you know what? Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinner. I shouldn't even be around you. Now, what happens is when we see Jesus, when we see God for who he really is, we see ourselves for who we really are. And we realize without Christ, we're nothing. We realize We are a sinner without him. But when we see him, when we get the veil lifted and that shutter goes open and we get the image of the goodness of God, we're drawn to him. In Jeremiah 29, 11, that verse is in your notes. It's a favorite verse. You'd know that verse. Look at it in your notes. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This morning, before you got up, Before you sat down, before you came to church, this is a fact. God was thinking about you. And he was thinking thoughts about your future. 
He was thinking good thoughts about you, just like he was thinking good thoughts about Peter. Jesus was thinking about getting Peter to a place where his boats were filled with fish. Peter would see his goodness and say, hey, I want to follow you. He was thinking about that. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to have Peter at this place where there was this place of sold-outness, surrendered to him. God's been thinking about your future. It's not bad. It's good. He's not basing your future on your miserable past and the mistakes you made. Aren't you glad about that? He called Peter a rock. He didn't say, Simon, you're a reed. You're always going to be a reed. You've messed up before. You're going to keep messing up. He said, no, no, you are going to be a rock. And that's what he says about our lives. He thinks about the greatness of our lives. So that's Jeremiah 29, 11. Now go back to the first page of your handout, and let's look at verses 12 and 13. When we understand that God is thinking about our future, thinking good thoughts about us, what does it cause us to do? Look at verse 12 and 13. Then, if you like, circle word then. Then, after this revelation hits us of the goodness of God, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. What causes us to say, God, I want to go discover more about you. When I see how good he is. When I see the greatness of my God. God, I want to learn more about you. I want to discover more about you. I want to search you out. I want to look for your glory. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, Oh, that I would know him and know the power of his resurrection. The Apostle Paul, who had experienced so much, more perhaps than any one of us, he says, I'm not satisfied. i got a hunger for God. I'm going after more. I want to discover the depths, the glory of God, and search for him with all my heart. I want to be a God pursuer. Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew 14, or Matthew 4, this account, by the way, is in all four Gospels, but in Matthew's account, it's put this way. Jesus said to Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The making is in the following. The making is in the surrendering. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. As we surrender, as we follow, the transformation takes place in our life. In our lives, he wasn't done with Peter yet. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with you yet. But as we surrender, in that making, in that following, something takes place. Now, the end of the story. Peter, the first guy who preaches in the New Testament is Peter. The guy, remember, who cut off the ear, denied Jesus, and all the rest of it. It's Peter preaching the first day. 3,000 people say, I will follow Jesus. That's a lot. He's also the one who's thrown into jail. And his friend has his head cut off. And they say, the next day, you're next, buddy. Your head's cut off. And Peter, what's he doing? He's sleeping. He's not fretting. He's knowing God's going to take care of him. They tell him, don't you ever preach again when he's in jail. You know what he does the next day? He gets out of jail supernaturally. He goes and stands in the most public place in the city on the court of the temple. And he preaches again. This guy's he's so bold now for God. It's not in the Bible, but history tells us when he was to be crucified, he was martyred for his faith. He says, I don't deserve to be crucified the way Jesus was. This would be Peter. You'd understand him. You know, Peter said, crucify me upside down. And he was crucified upside down according to history. He lived the high adventure, discovering the glory of God. Let's discover the glory of God this year. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.